Amen. I do want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, If I haven't met you, my name is Jason Dees. I'm one of the pastors here of Christ's Covenant, and it really is an honor to be able to engage with you this morning through the internet as we look at God's Word together. I I do invite you, if you have a Bible, to go ahead and grab it and open it. We're going to be looking at uh, some verses in the book of Galatians, uh, particularly Galatians 3 and Galatians chapter 5. I want to begin with a reading from Galatians 5. We'll be looking at verse 13 through 16 and then verse 24 and 25. And of course, we believe that these words come to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, they come to us with the same kind of authority as if Jesus himself were teaching. So let me read uh, the word of our Lord. Galatians 5 beginning in 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well, on January 26th, 2012, which actually was my 30th birthday, my daughter, my firstborn child, Imriana Dees, uh, was born. And it's hard to describe, for those of you who have not had a child, it, it's hard to describe the, the kind of emotional weight of the birth of your firstborn child. I mean, nothing can really prepare you for that moment. The way I've described it is it's kind of like if you could take all of the events of falling in love with someone and squeeze them into one singular moment, uh, that's kind of the emotional weight of that moment. So if you could take, you know, from the first time you, you saw the girl to the first date to when you told her you loved her to engagement, all that, if you could squeeze that into one moment, uh, that's the kind of emotional, you know, uh, weight that just came upon me when I first saw Imriana, my firstborn child. And it was an amazing thing. And I love my daughter. And of course, two years later, God gave me on April 14th, I love my kids' birthdays, April 14th, 2014, 41414. Uh, we had a son, John Kellis. And then two years later, on April 7th, 2016, we had another son, Rainer. And these three children uh, are such a delight to me. I'm so grateful for them. But when they were born, Everything in my life and in my wife's life totally and forever changed. Uh, it, is, it is a complex thing, obviously, to have children. And, and here's the deal. I know I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. I know that the complexity and the challenges of parenting for me are really only just beginning. Because the more and more and more my kids are spreading their wings and exploring the world and asking questions... The more and more challenging, the more and more difficult parenting becomes. Uh, you know, when your kids are little, when they're little babies, uh, it's amazing. I mean, they'll, they'll, you could just put them in the little bouncy chair 
and they'll sit there for a long time. I remember John Kellis, my son, which this is actually even hard. For those of y'all that know John Kellis, this is even hard to imagine right now. But the first year of his life, he would just like sit in the pack and play and play with toys by himself. Uh, he was very easy to parent. In fact, you know, John Kellis, his first year of life was, was really a breeze. But then, of course, they learn how to walk. They learn how to talk. They start exploring the world. They, they start to seek independence. And, of course, that's when the challenges of parenting really begin. You know, and, and I would say this. For those of you who are parents right now, for children that are growing up right now, I think some of the challenges and complexities of challenging this generation of children uh, are, are some of the greatest challenges and the greatest complexities that parents have ever faced in, in the history of the world. And I've called this generation the Google generation, um, or you, maybe you could call it the Siri generation or the Alexa generation. You know, my generation, I was a part of what's called the MTV generation. And it was hard enough for my parents because we, you know, we were the MTV generation. We were disrespectful, right? We didn't need authority in our lives. We'd have to listen to anybody. In fact, we were kind of mad at authority. I mean, you could hear this in our music, you know, bands like Nirvana or Rage Against the Machine. I mean, these are, this is kind of the signature of who we were. We, we didn't have to respect anybody just because they were older than us or just because they were in a position of authority over us. So for my parents, sorry, parents, it was hard enough for you, but for this generation, this Google generation, this Siri generation, they're kind of being taught that they don't even need parents at all. After all, who needs parents when you have Google? Who needs parents when you can just ask Siri? You know, it's interesting. Even my kids are kind of learning this. Uh, my, my kids are asking tons of questions, um, and they ask impossible questions. They're, they're, they're really right now into this whole, like, who's bigger than who, or who's stronger than who? You know, can, can a tiger beat a bear? Uh, or, you know, or what's the biggest thing in the world? Like, what's the biggest car in the world? Or what's the biggest tire in the world? You know, John Kellis asked me the other day. And when I don't know, their first impulse is, why don't we ask Siri, right? Because Siri knows everything, right? And, and of course, at this age, when they're asking who could win between a shark and a lion, uh, asking Siri is, is fine, I guess. But, you know, I have a lot of friends whose kids are older, and they're not having conversations with their parents about things like sex or things like politics or things like God or, or things that are very weighty, things that kids, the only adult that they could have talked to about these things in the past was their parent. Nowadays, these kids are just going straight to Google. They're, they're asking the internet the questions that kids have always asked their parent. They're, they're, they're spreading their wings, if you will, through the internet. And, and I think this creates an incredibly complex world to maneuver for parents these days. So how are we supposed to parent this generation? And, and I'm glad you're, you're joining us today, and, and I want to invite you to join us for the next five weeks, today included, and we'll be in a five-week series on parenting. And, and God has, has given us an incredible amount of resources, and, and we're going to be trying to throw as many resources as possible at you. Of course, we'll have these five sermons uh, we'll have, as we always do, our sermon talkbacks, which I encourage you to listen to uh, through our church podcast. 
Uh, our very own Lou Priolo, who's counseled for thousands of hours on parenting and who's written books on parenting, is going to be producing a video curriculum that goes along with this for all of our groups. This is a great time to jump into a group. If you're not in a group, we're going to be providing book resources every week. In fact, today, um, later on in our little uh, announcement video that's separate from this, uh, Blake Rogers is going to be talking about a book called Teach Them Diligently, actually by Lou, and we're going to tell you how you can get a copy of that. But, but today, I want to dive back into our text in the Galatians 5 to, to talk specifically about parenting. Now, now, this text, you may be thinking, well, this is not really a parenting text, but it kind of is. It, it's about maturity, and, and it's a very foundational text, I think, for, for those of you who are parents, for those of you who are hoping to be parents, for those of you who just are curious about these things, and we all should be if we are a part of one another in a local church, I think this is a very foundational text. Because, I want you to hear this. I want to go and give the thesis, the premise here. The goal of parenting, okay, the goal of parenting is not to keep your kids in a pack and play for the rest of their life, Right? I don't want John Kellis, who's now six years old, to still hang out in his pack and play all day long and play with little toys. No, the goal of parenting is actually to set your children free. The goal of parenting is actually to, to release your children to maturity, to adulthood. But we want to set them free in a way where they will know how to love God and walk in his ways, where they will live a life that pleases God, that is for their good, and, and obviously as parents, that honors you. And, and, and in this kind of society, this world we live in, we, we really only have a very short window to influence our children toward this type of freedom, really 18 years, 18 years. And that, that goes by, as so many of you know, just like that. So I wanna look at this passage there's three things in it, three things in it, and we're going to be looking at some other verses in Galatians also. Three things in it that I want to talk to you about. First of all, the call of freedom. Secondly, the problem of freedom. And then lastly, the way of freedom. The call of freedom, the problem of freedom, and the way of freedom. So let's look at the call of freedom. What is the call of freedom? Well, this is fascinating. Paul is explaining Christianity, these Galatians, and they had lived in uh, a world uh, where identity was not found in being free, where godliness was not found in being free, uh, where a, a sense of righteousness was not found in being free. It was found in boundaries. It was found through the law. In, in the Jewish world, there were 613 laws, and a good Jewish man or a good Jewish woman would live by these laws. You were righteous by proving how well, if you will, you could be bound to these laws. You could obey these laws, but the gospel is very different. The, the message of the gospel actually says that all of our attempts to adhere to some law, to be bound by some law, will ultimately fail us. It, flip back, if you will, to chapter 3 of Galatians, and Paul talks about this. He says in verse, three, in verse 10 of Galatians chapter 3, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. <laughs> For it is written, Cursed! 
be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Okay, so he's saying if you rely on the book of the law, you're going to be cursed because you can't obey the law. Think about this. God says, Jesus says, the greatest commandment, hear this, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I mean, how many of us right now, you're, you're watching a sermon on YouTube. That's a pretty godly thing to do. But how many of you can honestly say right now that you are loving God right now in this moment with all of your mind and all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength? This is what you were designed to do, but we, we don't do this. We're self-focused, we're self-centered, we're distracted by so many things. We fail in this. You've heard me say this before, but our performance record will never stand up in light of God before a holy God. When the book of your life is opened up and all things are known, if, if, if the book of your life was really known, you would be ashamed for, for the normal people, for your friends and family members to know everything that you've done or thought or conceived in your mind, in your heart. How much less a holy God. And so, as the text says, if you live by the law, if you are trying to justify yourself by the law, then you will always fail. No one is justified by the law. Cursed is everyone who doesn't obey the law. And so I am included in this. I have sinned. I deserve, I rightly deserve to be punished by a just and holy God. But the text goes on. It is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, right? Because why? No one can live by the law. But then he goes on and says, for the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he actually lived out the perfect performance record. He actually did love the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength all the time. He actually did live in accordance with God all the time. He always obeyed. He actually achieved a performance record that was pleasing to God. And so the uh, text goes on. It says in verse 13, Christ, who had achieved a performance record, pleasing to God, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So I, I remember this, we did not obey the law. Therefore, because we failed to obey the law, we deserved the curse. We deserve to be punished. But what this is saying is Jesus, who did obey the law, who did achieve a perfect performance record when he came to earth, was cursed, was punished on our behalf. He took on our record of sin, was punished on our behalf. So 
through faith, the righteous shall live by faith. How can I live? How can I not just live, but actually receive the reward that is due Jesus because of his righteous life? Well, I can, I can achieve these things through trusting in Christ. This is the message of the gospel. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, verse 14, so that in Jesus, hear this, this is such good news, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we, and this is key, getting us ready for our next point, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith in Christ, through faith in Christ, the blessing of Abraham, God's blessing has come, not through the law, because we can't obey the law, but it has come to all who look to Jesus in faith. And so I just want to say before we go any further, you need to trust in Jesus. You need to realize that you can't adhere to some law. It will always leave you wanting, but there is a righteousness that has now appeared apart from the law, and it has appeared in Christ Jesus, and it's available to all who look to him in faith. And actually, if you trust in Jesus, you're called to be free. You're called to live freely in him, not afraid of punishment, knowing that perfect righteousness has been achieved on your behalf in Christ. But I want to get to our second point. That's the call of freedom. But our second point is this. It's the problem of freedom. Let's go back over to chapter 5, verse 13. So Galatians 5.13, it says, for you were called to freedom, right? You weren't called to be bound by the law. You've been set free in Christ. A righteousness has been achieved for you and has been given to you through faith in Christ. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So we were called to freedom, but here's the deal, guys. There's a problem with freedom. Freedom is an incredible gift, but it also opens a door to sin. Um, Don't let your freedom be an opportunity for the flesh. Look at verse 19. He says, the works of the flesh are evident, meaning that no one has to be taught how to sin, right? Sinning is very natural, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, these the relational difficulties that we have with others. These are very natural. Fits of anger, natural. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. These are, these are very natural things. These are very obvious things. They are the work of the flesh. And Paul goes on in verse 21 to say, I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is he saying here? You have been called to freedom in Christ. Christ has achieved a perfect record for you through faith in him. But don't use this freedom to gratify the desires of your flesh. Rather, use this freedom to love and to serve one another. And and if these things are evidenced of your life, it proves that you have not trusted Christ in faith, and that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is the problem of parenting. 
I think this is what's so helpful. We want to set our children free. We know we're supposed to set our children free. We know they're not supposed to be in the pack and play forever, but the desires of the flesh, the desires of the flesh is all around us. We, we, we know that our kids are prone to these kinds of things, to fits of anger and divisions and dissensions and envy. Golly, if you have, if you have multiple kids, are your kids not prone to envy of one another and jealousy of one another and impurity and sexual immorality and strife and all of these things? These are obvious in our kids. So how do we keep our kids from the desires of the flesh? How do we prevent our kids from these things. When your kids are very little, okay, the role, the job of parenting actually is to create for them boundaries. So our, our goal is freedom, right? Our goal is to set our children free, but they don't start off free. They can't start off free. They're not, they're not ready for that kind of freedom. In fact, Galatians 3 even talks about the law being a guardian until the Spirit came. So there's a sense where the law, the boundaries that we create around our kids um, when there are children are right. Children need boundaries. Um, so, for example, a boundary could be a diet. Um, you have to help your kids with what they eat. You can't just let your kids choose whatever it is they want to eat. My kids, like me, like chips and ice cream, okay? I love chips and ice cream. They love chips and ice cream. My kids would eat ice cream and chips for every meal. That's all they would want to eat. And if, if, if Paige and I wouldn't say, hold on, hold on, that's not nutrition. That's not good for you. So we've created a boundary around them. Now, usually they can get a little ice cream, but it looks like this. You have to eat this much of this, and then you can have this. We've created, if you will, a law. Why? Because we love them, because we're keeping them safe. We have physical boundaries, right? So, you know, we live... Uh, in an area, we, obviously we live on a street, they're behind our house, there's a creek, and there's snakes in the creek, there's a belt line back there with a bunch of strangers, so there's all these things around that we want to keep our kids away from, so we have a physical boundary. You can't leave the yard without asking us, without asking our permission. So we understand this, and here's the deal, as you parent, your, the, the boundaries and how, how this is shaped around your kid is going to change. So I think John Roseman first categorized these. I've, I've heard a lot of people take credit for this, but I do think these four categories are incredibly helpful uh, for parents. So when, when you first have a child, your, your primary role for them is that of a caretaker, right? Um, when you first have a baby, I mean, your job is just to keep the child alive, right? You, you just have to keep, feed the kid, you have to burp the child. You have to make sure that they're, uh, you know, that they are not going to die, right? And that's actually really intimidating. In fact, I remember our first night with Imriana in the hospital, and of course she like starts to cough a little bit in the middle of the night, and I just thought I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to do this for 18 years. I, I can't keep this up. But that's the caretaker role. But of course, you know, after a little while, after when they get to be about a year old, um, you move into the second phase of parenting, which is really the cop phase. Okay. They start to walk, they start to talk, they start to challenge the world, and, uh, you know, they need some boundaries, right? They need someone to create some boundaries around them. I mean, even with, with Rainer, my youngest, who's four years old, he, he's still very much, I would say, in the cop phase. He, he doesn't understand why 
we have some of the rules around him. And it's really futile for me to sit down and explain to a four-year-old, for example, why we have some of the rules uh, that we have around him. He doesn't understand, for example, what a calorie is and what nutritional value is. He just knows he has to eat a few green beans before he gets some dessert, right? And, and that's the deal with the cob. You create some rules and it just says, look, you need to do this or there are consequences. If you run up against this boundary, there will be a consequence, but when, you're, when your children start to go off to school, four, five, six, seven years old, in, 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 in one sense, in one sense these, these roles continue, right? I mean, I'm still caring for my children. I'm, there's still boundaries that I'm creating for my children. But particularly Emriana, who's eight, John Kellis is getting there. For them, I'm, I'm really moving into more of a coach stage. Emriana's going to third grade this year, which means she's in school. She's going to be getting grades um, that... She has to fulfill those assignments. She's learning how to play the piano. She's having to actually perform at the recital, right? So that there, there's, a, there's a bit of a limit of what I can do. I'm having for her to be a coach. Now, a coach is an incredibly hard and incredibly important role, right? I'm still giving her instruction, boundary, but, but it's going beyond just boundaries now. I'm not just saying if you do this, there's a consequence, I'm starting to teach her why there's a consequence, why she needs to make you know, healthy diet decisions, why there are physical boundaries that we've created a, a, around her, why there are some scary things in the world that we're trying to keep her safe from, why she needs to do her homework every night, why that's important, why if she wants to do well at her piano recital, that she needs to practice her piano. Now, here's the deal with a coach. You have to send your players out on the field to go and Win the game. You can't go out there and hit, you know, hit the shot for them. You can't go out there and throw the pass for them. They, they have to go out there and do it. There, there's some responsibility that falls on them, but ultimately, as a coach, you take responsibility for the team. But one day, your children are going to leave the house. They're going to move into adulthood. This is a biblical. A man should leave his father and mother. And, and really, as a parent, you kind of move into what's called the consultant stage. And the consultant stage is, is also a challenge because in this stage, some of you parents are in this stage. Your kids are out of the house. They're on their own. And, you know, if you hire a consultant, many of you have hired a consultant, you can take their advice. They're, you're paying them to give you advice or you cannot take their advice, right? And they may give you good advice and they may give you bad advice. But if they give you bad advice, if we hired a consultant here at the church and uh, they gave us bad advice and we took it and it became a bad deal for us, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, at, the, at our members meeting, for example, I wouldn't bring the consultant in and say, it's all his fault, let him explain. No, it's not his responsibility. He's just a consultant. He was just there to give advice. I would have to do that. The other elders and I would have to say, no, it was our responsibility. We listened to this advice. It was wrong. And so once your children move into this consulting stage, and some of you are moving into this relationship, some of you young adults, you're feeling this with your parents. They, they kind of still want to be coach to you, and it, and it creates a, a, a bit of a rub. They, they have to realize that, that you have moved out from under their care, if you've actually moved out uh, from under their care, but, and, and they now can give you advice. They should give you advice. As a parent, I pray that I will be able to give my children advice when they're adults someday. But I have to realize that at some point, I'm, I'm only really 
a consultant in their life. Because again, the goal of a parent is to set your children free. And at this point, there's, there's no more law. There's no more guardian around them. You're hoping that your parents would, your children rather, would, would be free and would be free in a way um, that pleases the Lord. But this brings us to the last point. We've talked about the call of freedom. We, we've talked about the problem or the challenge of freedom. But the last thing I want to talk about with you is the way of freedom. How, how should you be free? Now, some of you have heard me say this before, but I really believe this. You are free. Hear this. You are free when you do what you want to do and when what you want to do is what you ought to do. You're only free when you do what you want to do and when what you want to do is what you ought to do. If you do what you want to do, but what you want to do is not what you ought to do, right? you will quickly lose that freedom, right? If you have a life of, uh, you know, you'll live a life of secrecy, of shame, right? If you're always trying to, to, to do what you want to do, even though it's not what you ought to do. Or ultimately, if you go out and break a bunch of laws, things that you're not supposed to do, you'll be arrested. You will lose those freedoms, and you won't be close to the heart of God. The, the trick in freedom, right, the key to actually being free is where you, you, your want to lines up with God's ought to, where what you desire lines up with the heart of God. And this is also the trick of parenting. And this is what the Bible says to us. Look at verse 16 in chapter 5. Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit, right? Walk in accordance with God, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, these desires of the flesh that are contrary to the way of God. Paul's saying, how do, you, how do you overcome them? How do you not gratify them? He says, walk by the Spirit. The works of the flesh, remember, are natural. But what puts those things to death? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And so I just want to say this. As a parent, we start off in parenting. It is right, especially when we're at the cop stage and the coach stage, to have boundaries around our children. But your goal as a parent is that through time, through this time when you can influence them, as these boundaries are going to go away because they're, they're breaking free, for the, for the boundaries to go from something that was external to something that is now internal, that the Spirit of God, if you will, becomes a law inside of the heart of your children, guiding the heart of your children. You see, the promise of Christianity is that the way of God, the, the, the truth of God, it's not just this list of rules or structure, no, but the promise of Christianity is that God himself will come and dwell the heart and life of a believer to be a living person within the life of a believer to guide us in all truth, to guide us in God's way. So this is my goal. And if you're a parent, this should be your goal as a parent, that, that ultimately I will not be needed <laughs> My boundaries around the child won't be needed, but the Spirit of God will be alive in their heart and in their life. And so this is really what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. How do you foster the Spirit of God coming alive in the heart of your children? But as we close today, 
I just want to give you three things to kind of remember here. First, this, is, this only happens by the grace of God, okay? So I just want to set that up at the very beginning. My goal as a parent is that the Spirit of God would come and indwell the heart of my children, of Imran, of John Kellis, and of Rainer. But ultimately, I am trusting that God will do this. There are some things that I can do, and there are some things that you can do, and we're going to be talking about those over the next five weeks, and these are important things. But ultimately, we have to, and I just want you to hear this, we have to approach these things with humility. God indwelling the heart of our children, God saving our children, God guiding our children is his grace. And so let's approach these things both with humility and prayerfulness. Secondly, if we want the spirit of God to come and dwell the heart and to dwell in the hearts of our children, then, then they have to believe the gospel. The, the spirit obviously comes upon us through the power of the gospel. So number two, let us be a church full of parents committed to presenting the gospel to our children regularly and clearly. I should say this, regularly and clearly. Of course, we want to present the gospel to your children as they are with us in corporate worship, as they are gathering with, uh, with Matt and with Abby and with our whole children's team. But we also want to be doing this in our home. And one of the things we're going to be talking about in a few weeks that I'm very excited about is the regular practice of family worship, where families come together, where you as a parent lead in your family coming together to study God's word and to pray together. And I pray that in that time, the gospel would be clearly and regularly presented to your children. But you know, some of my favorite times with my children, I, I also pray that we would be the kind of church that redeems every moment with our children. And when I'm on a walk with my children or with, when I'm tucking them in at night or laying in bed with them at night, uh, or when we're just out in the backyard playing, those are the times when the gospel can really be inserted into our conversation, where, where their hearts are the most open to actually hear the good news of Jesus. You know, even some of the harder things like of parenting, like punishing your children. You know, you know, punishing your children, I think, is one of the greatest gospel moments that you can have as a parent. You should never punish out of frustration, but only punish as a fellow sinner along with your child seeking the guidance and grace of God. And if that's the way you punish your child, as a fellow sinner seeking the guidance and grace of God, you still have a responsibility to do it. We still should create boundaries around our children. But as we, if we do this in a way uh, that is not out of frustration just because my kid's not listening to me, but, but rather as a disciple maker desiring that, that, that this external boundary would become an internal boundary, it will radically change even the way you punish and the gospel will become present even in that difficult thing. And then third, if we want the spirit of God to be alive in the heart of our kids, we must live by the spirit of God. You know, it's been said that your kids learn more by what they see than what they hear. And I think this is true. You know, I heard Paul Tripp say one time, does, he, he talked about what we value. You know, we as a church, I'm sure, good parent, members of Christ's covenant would say, we, we value the gospel. We value the Bible. We value church. We value God. But does your schedule line up with what you value? Does your use of money line up with what you value? Does your language line up with what you value, right? If you'll 
never miss a practice or a sports team, but you'll regularly miss church? Does your schedule line up with what you value? If you'll always make sure that your kid can go to this camp or that camp, but you'll never take them on a mission trip, does your schedule do what you prioritize, what you spend your free time doing? Does it actually line up with what you value? If, if you'll say no to church or to reading your Bible, but you'll never say no to homework, right? D- does your time and energy line up with what you value? You, you, your kids are going to learn a lot by observing and understanding what you value. Are you showing them? Are you teaching them that you are living by the Spirit of God? That you are dependent on the Spirit of God? That it's actually the Spirit of God inside of you that's guiding you and directing you? Is this what you're teaching your children? Is this, what, is this how you're living? So I pray that we would be a church that, first of all, is, is humble and dependent, realizing that only God can do this. That we would be a church that's regularly and clearly presenting the gospel to our children. But most of all, I pray for us, especially those of us who are parents and those of us who are our church family in total, that we would be the kind of people that live by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of our flesh. As I close, I want to say this. This is an incredibly high calling. To be a parent is a high calling. We all want our kids to love Jesus, to live by the Spirit. But I want to say this as we close as we prepare to to sing and to worship again. Your identity as a parent, even as a Christian parent, is not in being a parent, right? The way that you're gonna please God and make an identity for yourself is not in, in how great your kids are and how obedient your kids are. And we wanna have great kids and obedient kids, kids that walk by the Spirit, but I want you to hear this. Your, your righteousness before God cannot be in how good of a parent you are. Your righteousness before God, your faith in God, your freedom before God must be in the righteousness of Christ, in your faith in Christ, by the spirit of God that he has given you. And unless this is true, unless, unless you're living out the gospel in your own life and believing the gospel in your own life, you will put such constraints and pressures on your kid to live in a certain way that they won't see in you love and freedom. They will feel pressure. They will, they will feel frustration. You'll, you'll crush them with your expectations. But if you're in Christ, if, if you already have a justified record in Christ, if you already know that your righteousness is in Christ, if you know that you are free by the Spirit of God, then, and, and I think really only then, can you love your children as God loves them and desire good for your children as God desires it, not in a self-serving way, but in a way that really serves them and that honors the Lord. And so let's look to Jesus even in our parenting. And let me pray for us now in this high, high calling. Father, I pray for particularly the parents that are here today in this important series. Um, I pray, Father, for those also that are preparing, hoping to someday be uh, a parent. I pray for those who aren't physical parents, but are spiritual parents who are making disciples. Lord, there's so much for all of us to learn in this time and through this series. I I pray that we would be the kind of church 
that lives by the Spirit. And therefore, we, we, we don't gratify the desires of our flesh. I pray that we would be the kind of church that, that walks in the way of the Spirit, that walks in light of the Spirit, that, 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 that our righteousness, our justification wouldn't be by some external law or, or some external guideline that we've created for ourselves, but that it would be um, in Christ and in His righteousness and in the hope that we have in Him. But Lord, be with those of us who are parents today. Help us to... I pray these truths would rest on our hearts and that, Lord, you would use them to further conform us to the image of your Son and that we would parent in the kind of way uh, that pleases you, that's good for our children, and, Lord, that, that even brings honor to our families. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.